Those of you who are here, we had a missionary uh, from Kenya speak to you guys. Did you guys enjoy that last week? Wasn't that good? Uh, you know what's cool is that uh, we took an offering for their for their uh, for their missions work in Kenya, and you guys last week raised three thousand two hundred and fifty dollars for missions. That's pretty awesome. Uh, like that's like a really really big deal. And so uh, praise God for that. Uh, they were uh, like floored. So way to go, way to step up. Pretty pumped about that. But uh, anyways, tonight uh, before we get started, I want to give a a shout out to. Uh, the wonderful, uh, my my wonderful bride, the love of my life, Erin. Uh, where is she at? There she is back there in the corner. Uh, tomorrow will mark our five-year anniversary. And so <laughs> so uh, sweetie, I love you, and thank you for adventuring through life with me. It's been a joy. And uh, uh, <laughs> is that okay, Sarah? Yeah, that's all right. All right. Sarah approves of my affirmation for you. Uh, so you know it's good. All right. So anyways, yeah, it's been five years, which is pretty awesome. It's flowing by. Absolutely flowing by. I can't believe it's been five years already. Uh, but anyways, uh, how many people in here tonight I want to talk about about lame excuses? How many of you have ever heard a lame excuse before? Anybody? All right. Uh, if you are a guy, you know about lame excuses. All right. Because more than likely, you have asked a girl out and you have gotten a lame excuse, all right? <laughs> Girls, we know what it means when you say, I have to check my calendar, all right? That we know exactly what it means. Like, if you were actually excited about going on a date, you would cancel everything, all right? So when you say, oh, let me get back to you, i got to check my calendar, it's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe you can pencil me in for 15 minutes between your uh, between coffee and Netflix or something like that, you know, like, for goodness sakes. Uh, we've, we've heard them all, you know, girls, it's okay. It's okay to just come out and say, sorry, I'm not interested. It's okay to, it's okay to even be so bold as to, like, sorry, I heard you like movies like Sharknado and I don't go for that, <laughs> all right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, that's not how I roll. Uh, we'd rather have you be up front with us than give us a lame excuse. Guys, you are not impervious to lame excuses as well. Uh, uh, guys, normally our lame excuses revolve around having to uh, – revolve around going to the gym. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I was going to start working out, but then I got this, like, this, this, this problem right here in my pectoralis major. It's like, that's your quad. It's like, yeah, that's how bad it is. You know what I'm talking about? Like – and uh, you're like, oh, I got problems. Like, yeah, I, mean, I, I was going to run a marathon, but then I just, you know, I just like, I, I heard that's not very good for your body, so I decided not to. Yeah. I, the people do Ironmans, like, that can't be healthy, so I don't do Ironmans. Like, no, you don't do Ironmans because you're lazy, all right? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but anyways, we all have lame excuses uh, in our lives. We all know about lame excuses. We can laugh about lame excuses. Uh, sometimes lame excuses hurt our feelings, but... The problem with lame excuses is that they can be funny sometimes, but when they get applied to our spiritual lives, they can become very dangerous. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is the fact that sometimes we have lame excuses when it comes to following Jesus. All right. And tonight we have uh, talking about missions the last couple of weeks. I want to put up the Great Commission, as we call it, in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I think we have it on the. Uh, on there, I don't know if we do. Do we have that? 
Matthew 28. There it is. No, that's Luke. Uh, maybe we didn't. Maybe we didn't get it. Did we get it? Uh, there it is. Awesome. Way to go. All right. So this is what it says. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority. Everyone say authority. authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Everyone say go. go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. This is what Jesus told his disciples to do right before he ascended into heaven and left them on earth, essentially to be able to uh, bring the gospel to the entire world. We are sitting in this room today talking about Jesus because that group of people that heard Jesus say this, they actually took this serious. And they did not come up with an excuse. They did not explain it away. Well, I don't know if Jesus really meant all nations, you know. Uh, I, I don't know if Jesus really meant go. I don't know if Jesus, they didn't come up with any lame excuses. We are sitting in this room today because they took the Great Commission seriously. And I think if the Great Commission was taken seriously then, Jesus has not, like, he has not made an amendment on this statement. All right? He has not come back to earth and been like, yo, everybody, just to let you know, uh, we're going to amend that statement and we're it's now going to say, this, that, or the other thing. He doesn't, he didn't do that. This is, this is something he said, and it is something that he is going, he's commanded not just the disciples, but every single follower of Jesus to do for all of time. Can we get an agreement there? All right. So if that is the case, then what excuses do we make? See, excuses are simply this. Excuses are validations in our mind because of a lack of realization of value. In other words, what do I mean by that? We make excuses to avoid the things we don't value. So, girls, if you don't value the guy that asked you on the date, you make an excuse for why you can't go on the date because you don't value the guy, right? Or you don't value the fact that he asked you on a date. Guys, if we say no to going to the gym, it's really because deep down we do not value gains. You know what I'm saying? All right? We just don't value that enough to actually go and do something about it. And once your value of something becomes greater than the excuse that you are giving, then the excuse ceases to exist and you actually follow through. And the same thing can be said in our walks with Jesus. If we do not value our walk with Jesus and if we do not value the Great Commission enough, excuses will always trump the Great Commission. And tonight, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is worth it. He really is. And that following Jesus is worth it, and that you will never regret saying yes to Jesus. Jesus is worthy to be followed. He is worthy to be obeyed. And he has promised in the Great Commission that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, and therefore he passes that along to us. Right? Essentially, he says, I'm going to everything that I have, I'm going to give it to you. And you have all the authority that you have to do what it is that I called you to do. In other words, we get to be involved in the greatest mission experience ever. Right. Like we get to be involved with the greatest experience ever when we say yes to Jesus in the Great Commission. We will have more fun than we will ever imagine being able to have when we say yes to Jesus. It won't always be easy, but man, it will always be worth it. 
And so tonight we're talking about missions reveal. And before we reveal missions, I want to talk about some of the excuses that we have to avoid, avoid saying yes to the Great Commission. And I'm not tonight, I'm not just talking. This is not a, this is not a message to just try to twist your arm to get you to go on a missions trip. Okay? I hope all of you sign up for a missions trip, but this is not the intent behind this message. The intent behind this message is that we would all say yes to the Great Commission, not just on a missions trip, but tomorrow when we're at work and next week when we're sitting through a class. And tonight when we go back to the dorm room, we would be looking for opportunities to make disciples of all nations, to make disciples of all workplaces, to make disciples of all classes at UAA. Right? Make sense? Okay. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Luke 14 is where we're going to be. And uh, Luke 14 is a beautiful passage. Jesus tells a parable, and in this parable, uh, there are some guys in this parable that are making excuses. And so uh, so that's where we're going to going to sit tonight. We are in Luke 14, verse 15, and it says this in verse 15. Well, actually, we're going to fast forward to verse 16. Excuse me. So 16, it says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet. Now, this is a parable. If you don't know what a parable is, essentially, a parable is just a story that Jesus told that would illustrate a point. Okay? So he's trying to illustrate a point, and everything in a parable typically represents something or someone. Okay? So in this parable, the, uh, the person who's inviting people to this great banquet is God. Okay? So... This is what it says. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Everyone say excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must, I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. Woohoo! So I can't come. The servant came and reported this to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys and into the town and bring together the crippled, the blind, the poor, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and the country and the lame and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of these men who were invited will taste of my banquet. Okay, so here's what Jesus is communicating. Jesus is communicating in this, in this passage. He's really talking about, uh, about those who, who make excuses for entering the kingdom of God. And I, I, I believe that... Uh, Essentially, he's making, he's talking about those who make excuses for not accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And this kingdom principle can be applied to every single area of our lives when it comes to following God. And so we can have these attitudes and we can carry these attitudes, not just in a decision of whether or not Jesus is going to be my Savior, but we can carry these attitudes into our decisions as to whether or not Jesus is actually going to be my Lord and if I'm going to actually do what he has asked me to do. And there are three excuses that get made here. And before we get into this, I need to point out something that is very important to this story. Notice in this story that 
they had already been invited to this dinner. They had already prepared a place for them. In other words, it was kind of like when someone invites you to a wedding and you RSVP, yes, that you're going. The reason you RSVP, yes, is because they're paying for that plate of food. If you ever RSVP to a wedding, go, okay? Or call them and tell them, I'm not coming. Because they pay for your spot, right? And so for them not to show up was not like, hey, you should come to this banquet. And be like, should have told me about it sooner, man. You know, it wasn't like that. They would have sent out invitations and saved the dates a long time ago. And they would have been an RSVP and they would have contacted the banquet holder, the banquet inviter, and they would have said, yes, I confirm, I am coming. And now push comes to shove. It's the day of the banquet. They go out and say, hey, banquet's ready. You're invited to come now. We have a spot with your name on it because you RSVP'd. And all of a sudden, the excuses start flying. You see how that's different, right? we got to understand that about the story because that is very significant. It's very significant that we understand that because essentially in this culture, to not go to a banquet that you had been invited to and RSVP'd to would be to show an incredible amount of dishonor to the host. In Jesus' culture, it was almost unheard of poor etiquette. You just would not do it unless you wanted to essentially communicate deliberate dishonor to the person. In other words, you were deliberately saying, I don't really care about your stupid banquet. In fact, I I I don't value you enough to even appreciate the fact that you paid for my food already, and now it's going to sit and get cold. I don't care. And you see, in Jesus' days, banquets were, were really a, it was, a, it was a, uh, almost a title thing. The more people that, that came to your banquet, the cooler you were, right? Very similar to today. The more people that come to your party, the cooler you are, right? So uh, speaking of parties, Zane, you threw a killer party out here. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, uh, <laughs> Anyway, so the more people that come to your bar, the cooler you are. And essentially, they start dropping like flies, right? And so they're showing dishonor to the master. And I think that we do the same thing sometimes when it comes to Jesus, right? We say, Jesus, I'm all in. I've RSVP'd to your banquet. And then all of a sudden, push comes to shove. It's like, oh, shoot. It's time to show up now. What's that? You know, like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We do this all the time, and we make excuses. There's not even necessarily lies or temptation involved. We just psych ourselves out of it. And so there's three excuses that they give, and I want us to point them out tonight. The first one is this. The timing isn't right. The timing isn't right. I think we use this excuse a lot. The first guy uses this excuse. He says that he bought a field and he needs to go check out his field. Okay, here's why this is a lame excuse. All right? The reason this is a lame excuse is because no one would buy a field without looking at the field first. Right? So this guy is either lying or he's just really foolish. Right? More than likely, he's lying. Essentially, he's making up a story. And he's like, yeah, sorry, the, just the, you know, the timing's just not right. And I think we do this to God a ton. And essentially, you know, last time I checked, 
fields don't just like get up and move overnight. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's like it's like I gotta go check out this field because tomorrow <laughs> it might run away. You know what I'm talking? So like so like all of a sudden you're like, okay, well wait a minute, the field isn't going anywhere, buddy. The banquet's only gonna take a couple hours. You could go back to the field later and you could check it out tomorrow. But you see, he used timing as an excuse. And I think we do this a lot. What does this look like in our, our lives? We tell God, no, I'm not ready for that. I'm not equipped for that. I'm not spiritually mature enough for that. That's above my spiritual pay grade. There's no way I, I don't have what it takes to tell that person about Jesus, to invite that person to Chi Alpha. Who am I to, to, to invite someone to small group when my life is as crazy as it is? Another, another thing that applies to our lives in this is I'm not sure what, uh, I mean, I, I would commit to that, but I'm just not sure what life is going to look like next week. I might get a better option. I'm not sure what life is going to look like next summer or next year. I might get an option, and I want to leave my options open, and therefore we paralyze ourselves in our spiritual growth. We might say, well, I will get there eventually. Right now is just a time in my life where I'm kind of searching some things out and I'm trying to figure some things out. And eventually I will serve Jesus with everything I have. But right now just isn't the right time. I don't want to be another one. I don't want to be overzealous. What if my friend thinks I'm a Jesus freak? Right? I don't want them to think that, so I'm just going to kind of play it cool and kind of stand in the background, make sure I'm relevant, make sure I can relate to them, and I'm just going to kind of like play it nice and easy, and all the, and, and eventually, a year and a half later, they, have, they still have no idea that you love Jesus. I think we listen to the timing isn't right excuse a lot. The truth of the matter is, is that if Jesus has done something in you, he wants to do that through you. Very simple. We say that all the time in Chi Alpha. What God has done in you, he wants to do through you. Many of you know my friend Sawyer. Anybody know Sawyer? Okay. I'm going to brag on Sawyer here for just a second. He's not here tonight, uh, so we get to talk about him. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, that's terrible. Don't do that. All right. All uh, right. But this is a nice story. It's an honoring story. Sawyer uh, was a freshman at uh, UAA a couple years, several years ago now. And Sawyer, uh, we met Sawyer in the student union. He came to Chi Alpha. He describes his first experiences at Chi Alpha as, as feeling a, a love. He felt a love that he had never felt before in his entire life. And Sawyer made a decision his freshman year to accept Jesus as his Lord and as his Savior. And Jesus started to change Sawyer's life. And six months after, six months, actually it was less than that. It was four and a half months. Four and a half months after Sawyer accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior, he calls me on, a f on the phone one day and he says, Steve, you'll never guess what I got to do today. And I was like, oh, you know, what, what, what's up, man? What happened? He says, Steve, I got to lead someone to Jesus in the student union. We start talking, and he brought up some stuff about his life, and pretty soon I asked if I could pray for him, and then I asked if he had ever accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he said no, and I explained that to him, and I said, is that something that you want to do today? He said yes, and I led him in a prayer to accept Christ. Four and a half months after he knew who Jesus was, Sawyer led his first person to Jesus. 
Because the timing is right. It is right. The timing is now. And Jesus doesn't want you to listen to the excuses. What God has done in you, he wants to do through you. The second thing, the second excuse is simply this. I am super busy. Anybody ever said that before? I have, all right? I am super busy. The, the guy who says this in this story is the guy who says, sorry, I can't come. I know I RSVP'd, but I can't come. As it turns out, I have to back out because I just bought five yoke of oxen. Now, this is why the excuse is lame, okay? Is because usually, again, going back to like the foolishness thing, usually you would have already tested your oxen before you bought them. Okay, normally you don't buy a car without test driving it first. All right, so you would have probably test drove your oxen before you bought them, so you wouldn't have had to go and test your oxen at this moment in time. Again, the oxen are probably going to be there tomorrow if they are there today. But here's why this excuse is even lamer. All right, if I think that's a word, right? Lamer, more lame. It's more lame. More lame. This is why this excuse is more lame. If you were a rich enough dude in Jesus' time to be able to afford five yoke of oxen, you don't. You, you only need one yoke of oxen, right? Because you only need like one yoke of oxen to plow one field, to, to pull one piece of equipment and to do one man's job. So that means this guy was super rich with an entire farming operation. That means he had probably had employees. Which tells me that it would have been very easy for him to delegate this task to a farmhand and say, hey, buddy, I'm going to a banquet. I need you to go test these oxen for me. But you see, what this guy did is he busied himself with work that was not important. And we do that all the time. We do that all the time. Are we busying ourselves with things that are more important? And in, there, in, that, in that, are we communicating that we would rather spend time with a stinky cow than doing the work of our Father? And yet we settle for stinky cows so often. Life is so full already. I can't add one more thing. We've all heard that excuse, right? I just, it's so packed. There's no way I could shove one more thing into my schedule. There are more pressing things that I need to attend to. I just started school. I just got a new job. I, I, need, I need my focus somewhere else. The problem with all of those excuses is that the focus is always goes back to me, 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 and what I, I, I need, right? And what Jesus promises us is that when we go into his great commission, Everything that we need will be provided for us. I want to tell you a story, and this is not to brag on Steve. This is to brag on God. I want you to understand this. There was a semester that I had at North Dakota State where I needed, and I've told this story in the past, but I, I, needed, to, uh, I needed to catch up because I changed my major from, from architecture to teaching, and I was, like, way behind in some of my credits, and I needed to take extra classes. And it just so happened that in one semester, I ended up having to take 20 credits. And not just 20 credits, I had five lectures and five labs. 
I had a physics lab, a chemistry lab, a geology lab, a biology lab, and a, like a teaching lab that made me go and like spend time in classrooms all around town in high school. It was a brutal semester. That year, I was asked to lead a small group in kayaking. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to die, all right? And at the first night of small group, you know what happened? Ten guys showed up. I said, how am I supposed to disciple ten guys with 20 credits, five labs, and five lectures? God, this is, like, I don't know what you're doing here, but you made a mistake. <laughs> you made a mistake, and I'm going ha- to have to say no to something. And in and through that semester, God spoke to me, and he said, Steve, do you trust me? Do you trust me with your schedule? And what is going to be the most important, my commission or your classes? And I said, well, God, I, th- I, really, I really think I need to graduate in a certain amount of time. I can't be here for like 12 years, right? Uh, and, uh, and he said, okay, but do you trust me? Do you trust me? I said, okay, here we go, God. I'm ready for the ride. And that semester, surprisingly, uh, my grades were actually really good. And small group went really well. And people came to know Jesus, and I got to lead people to Jesus, and I got to disciple people as to how to follow Jesus that entire year. And when I look back at that semester, guys, I literally have no idea how everything got done. It was a miracle. It was as if God had, like, literally somehow, uh, like, changed the fabric of space-time to expand my time to allow me to get more stuff done. I don't know how that would happen, but I serve a God that provides when we say yes to him. And when we are faithful, he is always faithful. What excuses are we listening to? What excuses are we using? Am I super busy? I would have never experienced that miracle had I not said yes to God. The third and final excuse that we see is the excuse that I call the life is good excuse. Everyone turn your neighbor and say life is good. I hope life is good for you. I really do. But this is why this is a lame excuse is because the last guy, this is probably the toughest excuse to pick out. And this is probably the toughest excuse to try to decipher in our life. The last guy says, I just got married. I can't come. Marriage is a great thing. Marriage is a gift from God. Marriage is something that God designed for us to enjoy and for us to use as an illustration of how he feels about us. Marriage is awesome. I love being married to Aaron, right? It is a great, great thing. There's nothing wrong with it. Unless I used my contentment in that area of my life as a crutch or as a distraction for what it is that God has called me to do. The reason I say life, the, the life's good, life is good is, a, is an excuse is because essentially we sometimes say, hey, right now life is going really, really well, and I don't really feel like being uncomfortable. What I'm talking about here is the type of life where you say, I'm not, we, we kind of sit back and we kind of look, and we're like, well, I'm not living a bad life. I'm serving Jesus. Like, my life is together, and I'm doing okay. I'm not talking about temptation to fall into hardened wickedness, okay? I'm talking about 
temptation to fall into careless unconcern. There's a difference in that. You see, sometimes we're sitting over here and we're like, well, at least I'm not like those guys over there. And they are like, they're, they're, I mean, psh, they're not living for Jesus. And look at me, I am, right? <laughs> but the reality is, is that, that it's not about just like good and bad. It's about, re- or bad and good. It's about realizing that I can be over here and if I don't give a, a, a flying hoot about the fact that my friend doesn't know Jesus and that I'm all I'm concerned about is that life's good with Jesus right here, then I think I have significantly misunderstood the value of the gospel. Because if I truly understand, we've talked about this this year, if I truly understand the value of the gospel, I will understand that it is the greatest gift that I could ever give the person over here. And I would stop at nothing to make sure that I have the opportunity to give them that gift. But see, when we listen to the life's good excuse, I'm good, everything's good, I'm growing, everything's fine. We, we, we miss out on something really incredible. And the crazy thing is, is that Jesus groups the hardened and wicked people a lot of times into the same group that he groups the people who are followers of Jesus who don't care whether or not our friends are going to hell. He calls these people lukewarm. He calls these people the people that said, did we, did we not say, Lord, Lord, and do many things in your name? And the Bible says that these people, he says, he, said, he will tell them, away from me, I never knew you. Which is the same thing that happened to these people over here will happen to these people over here. You see what I'm saying? When we just say that, man, I, I, just, I, just really don't, I just really don't care. I'm good with where I'm at. My question for you tonight is this. When is the last time that Holy Spirit moved you for anything external? When is the last time you've let, when is the last time you have been bothered by the fact that people don't know Jesus? And you might be here tonight, and I want you to hear this because I think this is for some people in here. You've been going to church for a long time. And you feel like, wow, I think I've kind of heard it all. Well, then it's time that you bring someone to start hearing it all. And until you do that, I don't think you've fulfilled what Jesus has asked you to do. There's some people here tonight, well, I, you know, Steve, I've, I'm just not like a really emotional person. I, I, don't, I don't get really worked up, and so it's really hard for me to have this like brokenness that you talk about or, or, or weeping for the lost or spending time on my knees bothered by the fact that people don't know Jesus. I'm just not really an emotional person, so that doesn't really apply in me. I want you to know tonight that, that I believe that even if, even if you're not a crier, if you're not a super emotional person, something inside of us should be bothered by the fact that there are people in our lives that are one step away from eternal security in Christ, from a new identity in Jesus, and they just need someone to go to. Should bother us. And this might look like you going on a mission trip. It might look like you saying yes to God, to, to whatever it is that he's calling you to do in your life that you've been saying no to for a long time. Or this might look like you simply inviting someone to Chi Alpha next week. Or inviting someone to small group this week. I don't know what it looks like for you. 
What excuses are we using? I want to close with a missionary story, and I want to invite the, uh, the worship team to come back up. I, uh, last week, you guys, uh, if you were here last week, you remember all the stories that he was telling about all the missionaries at the end of the, end of the service? He put up a guy's picture. His name was Jim Elliott, okay? And I got a picture of the, of the Elliots. Can you throw that up there? There they are. So he put up a picture of Jim Elliott there on the right, and Jim Elliott was a really cool dude. However, I think the lady on the left was actually cooler, all right? Uh, behind every great man is an even better woman, and uh, uh, or beside them is what I should probably say, <laughs> all right? So... Uh, uh, so there, uh, there, her name is Elizabeth. The lady to the left there is Elizabeth. And, uh, do you remember this story? This is what happened. Jim and Elizabeth Elliot decided that they were going to go be missionaries to the, to the Quechua, 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 actually Quechua is what I think it is. It just sounds like Recife, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they went to this tribe in Ecuador, all right? In 1956, they decided to go be missionaries. So they were down there. They were serving Jesus. They were completely sold out for Jesus. And one day, Jim and his four of his missionary buddies decided that they were going to go to this tribe that was referred to as the Aka tribe. And they were going to go and preach the gospel to the Aka tribe and start to open up doors for relationships so that they could bring the gospel to them. And when Jim and his four friends showed up to the Aka tribe, it was him and four other dudes, and uh, their wives were, were still with the, with, the, with the tribe that they were ministering to. While they were there, the Aka tribe killed them all. All five of them died. As they went there to tell them about the person who wanted to love them and save them. Elizabeth Elliot at the time had a 10-month-old baby, and she was widowed. That would be a bad, bad day. At that point, Elizabeth Elliot had every single excuse to say, I'm done, I'm out of here. And not necessarily to walk away from God, right? But to essentially say, I'm done being a missionary. I'm going to go home. I'm going to be with my family. I'm going to take some time to just be with me and to, to, to just whatever, right? She had every excuse in the book, and it would have been justified by anybody in her life. But she responded differently, and this is what she did. And this is what she says. These are her quotes from her writings. She said, faith does not eliminate questions, but faith knows where to take them. And I took my hurt to Jesus. Of one thing I am perfectly sure, God's stories never end with ashes. God is God, and I dethrone him in my heart if I demand that he acts in a way that satisfies my ideas of justice. It is the same spirit that taunted, if thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. There is unbelief, there is even rebellion in the attitude that says God has no right to do this to these five men. How do you say that? This woman was incredibly, hopelessly in love with Jesus, you guys. Because she maintained that attitude, 
And because she valued the gospel and she valued what Jesus wanted her for her life more than she even valued her own life itself, she started to pray. And she said this, the prayers of the widows themselves are for the Akos. Listen to this. For the people that killed my husband. We look forward to the day when these people will join us in Christian praise. Revenge? The thought never crossed the mind of one of the wives or other missionaries. That's insane. That's crazy talk. Right? So for two years, she stayed. Amongst the tribe in Ecuador, there were two women in that tribe who happened to be from the Aka tribe. They were just living with the tribe that she was ministering to. And they knew the language of the Aka tribe. So for two years, Elizabeth and another young lady sat down with these women and had them teach them the language of the Akas. And two years after learning the language, Elizabeth Elliot and another young lady named Rachel went to the Aka tribe to go tell them about Jesus. The tribe that had killed their friends and, their, and her husband she went to go tell them about Jesus. Floored by the display of mercy, grace, and forgiveness and love, the Aka tribe listened to their message, and they accepted and responded to the message of Jesus Christ. That young lady, Rachel, would stay with the Aka tribe for the next nine years. And nine years later, she had translated the entire Bible into the Akka's language, and Rachel's kids got baptized by a guy named Emo, who was one of the tribe leaders of the Akka people, and was one of the people that had killed those five men years ago. He was now the head pastor of the village, and baptized Rachel's kids had come to know Jesus. What drove, what would drive someone to be to that level of hopeless and reckless abandon? To say, I'm not going to listen to the excuses that I could listen to. I'm not going to use the excuses because I value the gospel more than anything else. Elizabeth Elliot says this, there is nothing worth living for unless it is worth dying for. And one of her most famous quotes, I want to put this up, says this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In other words, what does she mean by that? She says, I don't care if I give my life, I can't keep it because of what I have to gain is everything I've got. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here tonight and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and tonight you'd like to, just raise a hand in this place. Or maybe you made that decision a long time ago and tonight you need to hit the reset button and say, yeah, I need to, I need to make that decision because I've let that grow cold. Just raise a hand. Is that for anybody? Okay, if you raise your hand to that question, 
I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that my sin has separated me from you, but tonight I'm accepting your forgiveness that you made available to me through dying on the cross. help to turn away from my old ways and live for you for the rest of my life. And if you're here tonight, my second question is this. If you made that, if, by the way, if you made that commitment, if you prayed that prayer tonight, I would love to talk with you. My wife would love to talk with you and let you know what that means and, and just what the next steps are. But if you, if you are here tonight and you say, I have been telling, I've been using excuses and I want to be done. Maybe it's a timing excuse, maybe it's the busy excuse, or maybe it's the, the contentment, life's good excuse, and you just want to say, Jesus, I'm done. I'm done making excuses. Just raise a hand in this place and let me know. Just between you and Jesus, just say, yeah, that's me. I want to be done tonight. I'm making a declaration. My, life, my, my hand's up with you guys because I don't think any of us are, are, are immune to this. So, God, I pray that we would not be men and women of God who would use excuses when it comes to your commission, but that we would say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship and just allow the Lord to speak to our hearts here this morning.